Greetings and welcome to CritCast episode 13, dealing with Tilt. Today I'm here, well, with Matt from, well, Set the Tempo. But before by that, uh, just would you like to say hello, Matt, and tell me a bit about yourself as well to the viewers of course. Hi, John. Thanks for having me on. Um, so like John said, I'm Matt from Set the Tempo. Um, you know, a bit about myself, a big board gamer. Um you know, tabletop games is, has been something that um, it was especially a hobby that my wife and I, you know, really, really dug into. Um, and we always liked, you know, kind of the Games Workshop product and never, never really got into it, didn't have a way to play. Um, you know, we were getting into painting and kept looking at these very expensive miniatures and going, ah, oh, those are very pretty, but we don't play any of these games. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, fell in love with Stormcast as soon as they came out. Um, and when Night Vault came out, uh, that was finally a game that I was like, okay, this is a small game, small box. Uh, it's got some Night Haunt, uh, some some of my Stormcast, and uh, and kind of went from there. Uh, you know, jumped on in Night Vault, uh, went to my first tournament shortly after that, um, and and really just fell in love with the game. Um, you know, personally, through the Beastgrave season, um, you know, I, I, I took uh, Ripa a lot, and I, I, I think I think my tally is up to about 250 games uh, playing that wow. warband. Impressive. Yeah, it, it uh, it's I think it was an obsession uh, more than anything, um, and uh, and and managed to win a Grand Clash with them and a Vassal Clash. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and after that, I, I uh, decided to start writing a blog. And, and um, I, you know, I was at a point where, uh, you know, through last season uh, and COVID, there, there wasn't a lot of uh, content coming out and, and things were kind of drying up. Um, and I really had a lot to say and, and really just wanted to, um, you know, kind of start my own think piece. And it's, uh, it's been really fun and exciting. No, oh, yeah, you, your blog's been like refreshing and good because you know there's like um there's actually a lot of competition now but in terms of like what you've been putting out it's like what a lot of people have been internalizing but have haven't really posted or looked back on in a long time so it's like being a really useful tool because i think there's a lot of stuff that you've talked about which people have kind of ignored or forgotten yeah yeah thanks um and that, that was really the the key for me was kind of differentiating and stepping out of, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of review content out there and that, that stuff is great, but um, there's a lot of those basics of the game that aren't just, you know, and maybe I'd call it intermediate play when you're going from like, I've gotten into this game and I kind of understand it from, you know, how do you, you know, perform exceptionally well, you know, in Underworlds. And I think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned. Um, and I think a lot of great players have, have spent a lot of time, you know, playing reps and, and learning hard lessons at, at major tournaments. Um, and so the more of those, those kind of uh, tips and tricks I can share the, you know, that that's really one of the main points is to, you know, get people thinking a bit differently about the game. No, yeah, it's really cool. Cause that's how I started with the blog. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool because like, I touched upon similar stuff at the start of the game around Shadespire, but it's like difficult finding time. And I found like the blog is kind of limiting with articles in terms of like 
expressing content. But I think you do it still really well because, you know, it's just sometimes like the biggest difficulty I found was like explaining tactics in a written way that makes yeah. sense to other people instead of just myself. Absolutely. Um, I really miss uh, event reports, living vicariously through those. Um, I really love, um, so I'm really excited for for a time where we can get back to tournaments because I really love hearing, well, this is the way I was thinking about the event. This was my meta call. Here's how I worked through my deck and, and practiced. And then here were, you know, here were my matches the day of. I, I really miss those articles. Yeah, because like when you did like kind of like tournament reports, like kind of those, one thing I always like to do was like when I was at a Grand Clash, I would talk about how I would try and game the system in terms of before they made it like random pairings between rounds. If you played right, you could n- you'd be able to predict who you'd run into, or depending on how well you did, you could control your scoring to kind of guarantee you an opponent. It was very oh, difficult, wow. but it was still possible so i'm very happy it's you can't really do that now because it's all random but when it was fixed pairing as it went it paired the strongest to weakest you could kind of game the system a bit at grand clashes uh but that that's something i would like to do for fun because it's just kind of like well i'm still trying to win but if i'd win not too hard or if i win <laughs> really hard i can guarantee what opponent i'm playing next yeah that, that's another level there <laughs> Yeah, it's like, that's why random pairings is really good. Because it's like, I was always champion for it after my friends from X-Wing were like, oh yeah, well, our pairings are random to stop that. And I was like, oh yeah, that that makes sense. But like, yeah, I missed that insight as well because a lot of people forget it's not just the winning, it's the practicing and game plan you have. Like, sometimes you go to a tournament hoping you never run into your bad matchup and you can be really lucky or terrible and face them every time. Yeah. So I think one tournament, I teched for Molog, uh, and I teched for someone, never ran into them as Curse Breakers, and then the next tournament, I didn't tech, and then I ran into the hard counter every game. <laughs> so it was kind of like, you're, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I, I, I think pairings are something that, um, you know, is an underestimation in the game, how important your pairings are, and... Uh, how uh, how random and chaotic that can be. Oh, yeah, because there's even people who apparently will throw the first round at a Grand Clash because if, if they know the player size, they know they can win the next three rounds, have an easier go and get for day two. But that's that's way too much gambling for me because it's like you there's no guarantee that you won't get another loss going into the tournament, but they'll go like, ah, oh, you know, I'm a good enough player. I'll lose the first round and then win the next three and get into the final, like get into day two. And I'm like, I respect that, but also I find that really slimy at the same time. No. Yeah. I, I, that That's kind of nuts to me. Uh, just play your best. You know? Yes. <laughs> that's the biggest thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's really cool how you got into the game basically with your wife. Because, you know, it's always good to have like someone you can play regularly, especially if they live with you. So that's pretty cool because I know some people have that kind of situation, but it's not really like it might just be a roommate or someone they're living with. So that's yeah, that's a really cool way because I think that's one of the strengths of Underworlds. If you have someone you can play it regularly, even if it's just casually. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things i mean um she was really excited for starbucks stalkers because she loves seraphon um 
we don't play a ton and uh obviously i i think and talk and write about this game a lot so uh, i think that was another outlet for the blog was uh uh so that uh she didn't have to hear me constantly uh, going on about you know odds and different card choices <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense um but yeah let's talk about the main subject today i think it's something we've probably seen a lot people we've who are listening have probably experienced and or seen a lot but it's basically dealing with tilt especially in warhammer underworlds so like tilt is basically something that triggers you which completely throws you off your game as it like warps your mindset basically makes you go angry so you start playing mistakes doing everything wrong because in your head you feel like you're losing and you've lost yeah um i know i know i have uh have spent a lot of time trying to deal with my own tilt uh as i as i got to know the game and and got to learn about it so uh definitely a subject that's that's kind of close to home for me and um you know i think it's a gradual process you know it's a, there's there's no switch that gets flipped uh you yeah. don't all of a sudden figure it out <laughs> exactly like for me it took a while but if you've been playing competitive games like for only a short period of time, it's or you haven't been able to overcome it yourself. Tilt can like not even just cause you to lose tournaments. I've seen tilt get so bad it's infected players to the point where they just stop playing because the tilt's yeah. gotten so bad. And like you need to identify what's causing it. Because the the thing is the worst time is to get it in the middle of a game at the start. Like you lose round one and then you go on tilt or and then it causes you to lose that game, which then cascades and cascades. Yeah. So it's something you need to be able to identify and, well, combat, but it's not easy to. It takes practice. But that's what we're going to basically talk about today. Because, like, yeah, I've seen too many players, good and bad, lose just because they've gone on tilt. 100%. Like, yeah. I've seen it across the table when, like, watching games, commentating games, all that kind of stuff. So... This episode should be able to help you, not cure you. I mean, like if we did, that's that'd be amazing. But it's like tilt is something that takes a long time to overcome because you're basically bar- battling your inner demons. Yeah, and I think that that's the the you know in a very cerebral game like Underworlds where you're you're staring at a. a a board state and an amount of cards in your hand and trying to figure out an optimum decision at every point it's really easy to let that kind of take over and and kind of go into autopilot uh but in a bad way where you're just rushing and you're not actually considering the choices uh because you've uh you know you you just need to make something happen i I think it's probably the best you know that internal justification we give ourselves yeah it's like oh i do this because uh, at least if i keep doing it it'll pay off but then if you went on tilt you would go actually all I'm doing is just throwing my opponents to the fight, uh, my my fighters to my opponent. And it's just, as you said, with Underworlds, there's so many decisions you have to make. The moment you're on tilt, it clouds and can even overrun all those decisions and force you just down the wrong route before you realize it. Yeah. But I think the, well, the biggest thing is how to deal with tilt. And I think... 
the best way to deal with till is to experience it. And like they, th- that, this is the problem because you're going to have to be playing for a long time because if you can identify what factors cause you to tilt, then you'll be able to overcome it. This is the problem because some players are blind to it and never overcome it or never even realize they're in tilt. But I think a good way to identify if you're in tilt, if you suddenly start feeling flustered, not angry, but you're like annoyed, impatient, based on either an error you've made or something's gone wrong in the game, either because of you or your opponent. Yeah. And and I think like that, um, you know, kind of inner knowledge, like knowing yourself really well um, is a big part of, of dealing with it and, and, you know, figuring out what it is and then, you know, working on solutions that, that are going to, you know, kind of help you work through the, the issue as it comes up because, you know, effectively in some ways tilt is, you know, internal crisis management, you know, you're dealing with a crisis um, and, and whether or not it's, it's real or not, it's, uh, you know, causing you to, uh, you know, kind of run over the game a little bit. Uh, and so it's really important to figure out, well, how do I stop myself in that moment? How do I, you know, change the outlook and, uh, you know, finish this game strong? Yeah, because it's it's just the the worst thing about tilt. You'll feel terrible, but the bigger impact is you're probably making your opponent feel terrible and you don't even realize it. So you may have gone, oh, that game was bad for me, and your opponent was going, that was probably the worst game I've ever played. He didn't, like, my opponent didn't speak to me. They're just, like, snapping back. You could see they were flustered. I tried, you know, talking to them. It didn't really pay off. They just stormed off after the game. Like you don't want to be leaving that sort of atmosphere because then the worst thing is if people start to generalize you as you when you're on tilt, when that's incorrect. And the other thing is you you could turn that person off the game. So you need to be really conscious of how you are because that's the biggest thing I've seen in tilt because you actually make the environment of the game very threatening in a way and unfriendly. Yeah, and... and you know, I, I, uh, I've, I've said it recently in an article um, talking about how to craft an experience for your opponent. And, and I think that that comes down to a win or lose. Um, you know, you, you have to be, you know, a gracious winner and a gracious loser. Um, and it, it's really hard to keep that, you know, kind of hat on in, in a tense, important competitive situation. Um, but it's, you know, uh, for me, it's really important that, you know, when I'm playing, you know, thinking about how my opponent might be feeling, you know, I might be on the top of the world rolling crits on every attack. Um, but I know that I'm, I'm sure, uh, my opponent is not feeling good about that. And this is me because I love seeing crits, but, <laughs> um, no, I agree a hundred percent. Like it is about, it's a social game at the end of the day, and I think a lot of people miss that. Yeah, it's down to like a competitive experience. You, One of you has to win and one of you has to lose unless you both draw. But it's like you still want a positive environment. And I think the best way I can like relate that to is X-Wing. So X-Wing is like one of the most competitive tabletop games I know, but its community is incredibly friendly. It's like they're all narrative gamers to the point where like they'll all have a laugh with you, they'll get drunk, they'll... They'll do crazy stuff, but 
at the same time they're playing hyper competitively and it's like that's where underworlds operates best so if you're taunt like the best thing about underworlds especially for a warhammer game is everyone goes oh you know what i didn't win or you know like i lose but the my opponent everyone i played was super friendly everyone was chill everyone was having a laugh you know there was all that camaraderie and if you start going on tilt it can just be infectious and you would yeah. turn that person away and then you could start sending them on tilt and then it's like this like cascading effect but i think yeah. the like one of the biggest things you touched upon is you need to learn how to lose and then you go like oh that's rich coming from you john it's like no no i've I've learned to lose a lot because the interesting thing, um, I was chatting once with Jay Claire about our tournament wins. So he, cause we've, we've won a lot of tournaments, right? But yep. I've played at more, I think my win rate. So I've played at 70 ish tournaments and won about f- around nearly 40 of those. So my win rate is actually only about, well, let me think. Uh, 55% or something. And I was speaking to Jay and his win rate is like 86. So I was like, wow, yeah, you're like winning way more than me technically, even though I've won more tournaments, but I have lost a lot. And I've lost a lot, not just at tournaments, but when playing casually, but I've also kind of done that on purpose, especially when intro in the game, because if you know, I've, I've like talked about, you know, introducing people to Warhammer, well, Warhammer Underworlds. And the best way is to lose because my biggest thing is when you lose, you learn more because you remember what you did wrong and what happened compared to yeah. when you win. But you're never going to win everything. Everyone loses. Everyone. And if you think you're never going to lose, you just need to like rethink because everyone loses eventually. And if you can't deal with losing, you shouldn't play the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's something that happens to everybody like you're you're not gonna win every game that you sit down to um the game might not go the way that you wanted to and you know uh i know that for me one of the things that always kind of kind of brings me back is um hey okay things aren't going to plan but i have a plan and and i'm just gonna play my game and however it goes it goes and and if if this is one that the opponent's gonna take for whatever reason you know, I, I can know that I've played my best and, and done the moves that I needed to do and, you know, learn from anything that went wrong or, or you know, glean information for game two or game three. And, and I think that's the most important thing to to remember. Um, I, I also think sometimes it's it's easy to um, to think, oh, well, I, I got blown out this game. And, you know, you turn around and you still scored 12 to 15 glory. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You have to remember, like that's actually a really good score. Doesn't matter, you know, somebody scoring twenty eight. Um, the next game could be very close. Like if you missed a few crucial attacks, if some, you know, if if the opponent had the exact um, right power cards at the right time, uh, that's that's just the way that the game went that time, and and you have time to uh, kind of bring it back up. Um, yeah, because it's not even just like losing a whole set. If you lose the first game, it's not over because some people get so obsessed, especially at small tournaments and grand clashes where losing a round can cost you big time, but losing a game can set you back a bit as well, but you have yeah. it in your mind because of how pairings do because you want ideally no losses at all. 
but I've seen people who've like, as you said, they've lost the first game. They've also missed that they only lost by a little bit. So they've only lost by a few glory. Then they've even written off the game, say, oh, it's stupid, I lost because of dice. And then your opponent's like, okay, well, that was actually a really close game, but okay. Or then they go like, well, I've lost this, this is ridiculous, it's game over. And you're like, your opponent's like, okay, this is game one of a best of three. This is interesting. And then like that just dominates your mindset. I've seen that happen to people so many times. It yeah. is a shame because like it once again reinforces like that negative effect of not just for yourself, but your opponent. Yeah. One of the uh one of the worst losses I, I ever had uh was in a uh, it was a Vassal Clash quarterfinal. We had two really close games. I was playing Thorns into Beastmen. And uh the game three, um my opponent had every single power card lined up. Uh every single thing. I missed three Briar Queen attacks after sudden appearancing her in. Um, tried to get into the territory using shift and reflection, and that got blocked. Uh, everything I did was blocked. It is literally the only game I can ever remember scoring zero glory. Oh wow! Uh, and I and I'm like, even some of the worst games I've played, and and it was, you know, in, in a quarterfinal of a tournament situation, and I went, eh, that's the way it went today. No, this is a great way to to come at it because like. I think I've talked about this before in a previous episode, but I think my worst loss for me was when I came second at the London Grand Tournament for the Grand Clash. Because first, like, I was like, this is my home turf. Uh, I was like, so they did the final on a separate day. So I annoyingly, we, we wanted to do it on the same day, but they were like, no, 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 we'll do it on the Saturday. So I had basically a whole day to practice. And that yeah. really got like, normally I don't practice that much because I like to go in blind, but this time, because I knew I was playing my friend, I was using my spike claw swarm. He was using his Garrick's Reavers, spoke to my friend who plays Garrick's Reavers. We like hashed it all out. I normally beat this guy, but I was like, I need to make sure I'm everything. Like I was going to experiment new things. So I longboard him in the first game. Then like I messed up and then he like, he just powered through, which he like, he'd made a risky move and it paid off, which was great. And in the second game, like everything just went wrong. And then, yeah. like, I really took it really badly. But one of my friends was watching. So, you know, my friend won. That was cool. Um, I had to, like, I still congratulate. I wasn't, like, a like sore loser. But, like, internally, I was, like, massively tilted. And then I just, like, uh, I remember what my friend said. He was, like, you may remember that as a really bad game now. But if you give it, like, even just half an hour, you would have seen that was a really good game, even though you lost and you both played amazingly well. I didn't hit me at first. And then after we walked out and went, get to food stuff and just chill. Then it really hit me. Like it was a really good game. I just got outplayed and it's just unfortunate. Cause I was like, Oh, I always usually win this game, especially against him. And it was just like, yeah, you know, it just happens. And it's like, you know, your, yeah. your friend has done really Like I congratulate my friend. Like, cause I always said like, uh, he was always beating it down himself. Like, Oh, you know, John, I'll never beat you. And I was like, Oh, you know, we keep getting closer and closer every time we play. And I did say eventually one day you'll beat me. You just beat me at my home turf. <laughs> um, but that, that's the kind of thing. And then I just used that to catalyze myself. Because at that time, I was getting obsessed with trying to win a Grand Clash. If you were following me at the yeah. time, you'd have known. I yeah. was like, I think that was my third or fourth like Grand Clash. No, like top four finish. So I was, my friend was like, even then, you've, you know what? You didn't win, but like you've placed second, which is your highest placing. And also, this is like your third or fourth top four placing, which is like amazing. Like no one's done that. I was like, oh yeah, that's that's cool. 
And, you know, it's just talking me through that. And then that just helped me. And then also losing in general. So it's like, because, you know, you can just catalyze and like remember more. And it's just healthy to talk it out. Because I think the worst thing you can do when you lose is just bottle it up. If you feel upset about it, don't vent it to your opponent. Like that's the wrong thing to do. Because if you start venting your loss at your opponent, you just make them feel bad. But, you know, chat to a friend and just vent out. And like, usually if you get someone else's take on it, especially if they watch the game, they'll be able to highlight what you did wrong and just, you know, they'll be able to chill, help you chill out and relax. Yeah, exactly. I, um, it, it's probably a topic for another episode or something, but um, uh, I, I think I've fallen into that trap of over-obsessing, you know, yes. in, in the, between day one and two. Uh, so the the last Grand Clash I was at um, and uh, and really my my was trying to hit top four. I really just wanted those objective tokens. That was the, the main thing. <laughs> um, and I overanalyzed the matchup and it was somebody I had played day one. So I, I, you know, I had a really good sense of their deck and, and I, I, I think I may have slept four hours that night uh, between day one and day two. Um, and, uh, and luckily all the pairings and rolls went my way that day. <laughs> um, so, uh, but that was definitely not the best for my mental state either is, is going into kind of a, you know, a, a micro analyzing part of it. And that's, that's why I really like take that time to breathe and, and say, okay, I'm just going to play my game. Like I need to stop overanalyzing this. I need to stop thinking about this too much and say like, I'm just going to play my game. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And it's not my day. Yeah. It's like major analysis paralysis. I think it's basically getting caught up in your own game plan to the point where you like, I've planned for every eventuality and it hasn't paid off. Like you should, yeah. sometimes you just get surprised. But that kind of relates to something else which you told me before the show, which I think is really cool because it's something I talk about a lot when I'm playing on stream is like when you're playing aggro, you are never deserved to hit with an attack. Like you're, exactly. you're just because you play aggro, the dice aren't always going to hit for you. Even if you see it happen to other people all the time, it doesn't mean like you're indebted for the dice to work for you. Well, and you know, I, I, I have played so many games of Rippers. Um, and, and so I have fired off so many attacks um, that are all really bad odds. So I don't expect to really hit any of them. You know, if anything, if, if I've got a card that can redo an attack and I have three bad attacks, I, I would hope to hit one. Is always is always kind of my hope. Yes. And I think that that's what kind of killed that, uh, you know, that dice. Like, oh, I'm, I'm I, I I need to hit this attack, and now I'm just kind of like, yeah, those those games happen. I've played enough of them. Um, you know, I saw what I could score even when I wasn't hitting attacks. So the game plan going completely wrong. You know, I was still able to make a good uh, good chunk of glory. Um, but but I think that that's something that that we as a community can get caught up in a lot is well, I was deserved to hit this attack. Like I should have hit this. Um, and, and so kind of in prep, I had pulled, uh, you know, one, one set of odds that I thought was really interesting. So even if you're rolling a four smash attack, which, you know, is known as a pretty accurate attack, you know, that's, you know, Molog with Haymaker, that's uh, Duval with uh, Hunter's Talisman, um, you know, into one dodge, that is still only an 82% chance of success. So even something that we would consider a very accurate attack will miss one out of every five times. Yeah. And, and 
I, you know, I, a piece of advice I would give is just remember internally that, you know, you still, you know, it, it's a, uh, you know, there's one in every five times that you're not hitting that attack. So even though you've, you've stacked the deck and you're there, um, you could still roll four double supports. That will happen. Um, I, I watched, uh, oh, who are you, uh, you and Rob are playing. Um, yeah. the amount of double supports <laughs> in that game was yeah. hilarious. That was a, uh, uh, that was a really funny game. I think we wrote like, uh, <laughs> oh, between us over 12 attack actions, like 11 of them were just double supports. It was crazy. But yeah. that's like, that's the kind of thing that can happen. I think like you really shouldn't get mad over dice cause you can't control them. Like an attack is only really guaranteed. If you've trapped the fighter, you're rolling like free dice they are, and you're fully supported. But even then, if you don't roll a crit, you know they're still going to defend that, which is the beauty of my branding, but also of the game. <laughs> like you know, dice are dice. For me, like dice used to tilt me a lot. I really used to get pretty tilted by dice, even though I played aggro for the longest. And the only thing that got me through that was playing Godsworn Hunt for like four months in a row, pretty much, because <laughs> I've talked yeah. about them a lot, but. If you read my ba- like my articles on them, it was it was rough. I think at one time, like I played them at the June twenty eighteen Grand Clash, which was the first two dayer. So I finished technically. I was first after round four or second, so I would have gone into the final normally. But on round five, I lost and finished fourth. And then going into day two, I lost first two rounds and then won my final game. But the f- second game I played against was like Nick Baton. So against his Curse Breakers, which was already a rough matchup, over the course of two games, I rolled one successful attack, even though I was making a lot of oh, attacks. Yeah. And he was like, dude, dude, I, I get angry about dice, but if, if, I, if that happened to me, what happened to you, I think I would have just walked home. And I was like, just dice? You know, it, it sucked. I missed every single attack apart from one, which was with Grawl, of course. But it was like, <laughs> just dice? You know, eventually my, my luck was going to break. I can't rely on attacks going my way all the time. And even now, like in general, when I play, when I plan to attack, I generally plan as if I'm going to miss. I'm just, I'm thinking about what I can do to get my fighter in there to attack. So it's like, I'm putting pressure on my opponent. The next round, at least I'll be closer to my opponent. So I'll either be adjacent to them or close enough that I can just keep going forwards. Uh, like it, it's helping me score objectives by just like being in enemy territory or next to my opponent, that kind of stuff. So I'd kind of build the deck to support just moving for the attack. Sometimes you can't, and you know sometimes it just sucks. But either way, you know at least I did something. There's there's no guarantee you'll succeed at everything. Well, and I think that that's that's one of the the keys. You know, is just building your deck to ensure that you're not counting on the dice roll, and and whether or not that's um, you know, making sure that you have some ways to score glory that aren't kills. You know, uh, you're not taking six kill surges and then a bunch of end phase cards that require enemies to be dead. Um, making sure you have other ways to score glory and, and up your accuracy that way. Or uh, ensuring that you have enough tools to deal with whichever board state you're handed at the start of the game. Exactly. Um, I think that that's a really important thing. That's something that, I mean, I've learned that lesson the hard way where uh, it's just, two games of longboarding and uh, oh, I, I don't have enough movement in this deck. I can see that now. Uh, and, and that's, that's part of that, that preparation to make sure that 
you know, uh, you kind of only have yourself to, to call on when you're not prepared for kind of all the eventualities. Thinking that I'm going to win boards, you know, and, and be up front all the time. Yeah, that's that's not really re- reasonable because I'm sure your opponent doesn't want that. Yeah, and it's like a common thing is, uh, even since Shadespy, me and my friends would always say, if you're a hold objective player that can only, your deck only wins if you win three objectives, in a best of three, that means your deck is terrible. Because if your deck only works in one situation, it's a flawed deck. So, yeah. like, the biggest thing was in Beastgrave, when aggro was just not that good in general. Because you kind of, like, if you didn't win boards, most aggro warbands couldn't win. So yeah. it's like, if you couldn't play around that, unfortunately, no matter how hard you try and complain, your deck is not viable for tournament play. And that warband, and even though it was completely terrible to hear, it was the truth. Like yeah. That's why warbands like Rippers could only really do it because they had so much access to potential speed. But even then, if you filled your deck with speed, you were losing out on a lot of stuff that could hurt you in the mirror because the other Rippers deck would generally not be focusing on speed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was definitely something that, you know, drew me to that warband in that season was it was one of the few counterplays into the uh, uh, the Molten Shard Pit. Yes. <laughs> the, the balanced uh, board. Our, our favorite three hex full offset board. I don't uh, miss it. I really don't. No. no, no one does. And if you do, you're a terrible person. <laughs> but it's like, but that's the thing with dice. Just like the worst thing is I've seen people go on tilt with their dice while winning. Like, uh, one yeah. thing, the one game that really pissed me off, I was playing Godsworn Hunt because I was still trying to win a trophy with the Godsworn Hunt into Magor's Fiends. I had been undefeated up, up until that point, and then I was like, this is going to be tough for me. So I just, uh, this was the game where my dice broke. So I just kept fluffing everything. I was like, oh, well, it's just, you know, I tried. And then yeah. it was just like, my opponent was like, dominate me rounds one and two. Round three charged and missed. I was like, oh, typical dice. This is terrible. And I was like, okay, I'll let that one slide. Missed again. And just like his anger got more and more towards his dice. So after the game, I just told him, I was like, dude, that was one of the worst games I've ever played. And he was like, what? You've been winning. I have scored two glory. You were on like 25. And you were complaining that your dice were failing you while you were 18 glory ahead before the final like end phase. That was literally one of the worst games I've ever played. And if you look around, that's why everyone is looking because they just saw you completely complain at me while you were winning. And it's like that. And I was like, normally I didn't do that, but that was just such a terrible game to experience because I was like, you know, sometimes people get the odd trigger thing, but when you're like, you're literally winning and you're like, this is terrible. It's like, yes, it's so bad to be on so much glory. What, What a terrible life to be in. But it's like, as we said before, it's affecting how your opponent perceives you and that game, because that could just turn someone off the game if it was someone more casual. Yeah, or, or even somebody who's kind of at their last rope. Like, yeah. uh, it's, you know, a, it's a stressful game at times. Um, and and I think it's really hard when you're, you know, I, I know I personally kind of go in and out of like, modes of like i'm really excited and i'm going to play as much as i can and then ah, nothing's really you know getting me into it today so um you know you never know the mental state of your opponent and 
you know, anything you can do to craft a better experience for your opponent, you should always be doing like hands, hands down, like, you know, number one value for me in the game. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's just, I've seen, well, I've heard so many people complain to me and seen so many people complain about dice. It kind of sours the thing. Like my biggest thing is I've seen people who have been massively outplayed and then they've gone to me or just posted in general, oh, you know, I would have won that game, but I lost just because my dice failed. I failed every attack. And we're not saying don't complain about dice, but don't fixate on dice. Like literally, uh, I've seen people, as I said, who have been outplayed massively, but they fixate on the dice rolls to the point where they like ignored that the game was so close because that other player was able to keep up by playing out of their mind. And it yeah. did come down to dice because they've like rolled a cautious crit defense. But the problem is they were counting on that because that was their only hope. And it's like to, to, to actually manipulate that situation in a way is incredibly ballsy. And then to go around and like, uh, you know, that I wish I could have given you a better game. I only like, I just missed everything. So it wasn't good. And you just go, that's, that's not good because there's so much more you can do with aggro than just attacking. Like, you know, it's, it's important where you move your fighters as you're doing it. Oh yeah. Positioning super key. But it's just that thing where it's like, if you keep telling everyone, I only lose to, to dice, it doesn't, it's kind of like a self-defense mode. It's like, I should, I, I like, this is the biggest thing. Like I always try and build up against, you shouldn't go into a game thinking I've won this automatically. Like, I'm the better <laughs> player. And I think that's where it really stems from. Yeah. I um, I was playing a game uh, with Derek, uh, Captain Murder, as he's known in the community, um, a few weeks ago. Um, and he was playing his Canaan's Reapers, and I was taking uh, the Seraphon. And, and I had 100% the best starting hand I've ever seen. <laughs> um, it was uh, Gather Momentum, Swift Capture, Temporary Victory. Oh, wow. uh, and, and I was like, I don't have speed, but when I score the first two, uh, I'm scoring the whole hand because I'll score gather momentum for scoring two surges. Mm-hmm. And in two full rounds, I could not get on a token in his territory. Oh, and I was like, you've, you've outplayed me. You like, you got me there. I just could not do it. And I, and, and I kept the hand stubbornly and um, because I knew like, I'm not going to draw a better hand than this. And my only chance of winning is to score this. And at the end of the second round, it was, yeah, didn't do it again. And I showed him what was going on. And I had, uh, I had Lords of Space and Time in hand. And I just couldn't get him two hexes away from an objective. He kept being in one. So uh, it was a, it was a really good, like, you know, uh, one of those points that centers you on, like, you might have that perfect hand. Uh, It it just, you know, it's not going to work out every time. And I think, um, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go on. Um, I think the way that I've been thinking about Underworlds a lot lately is, you know, if we wanted a, a game that had no luck in it, um, there's chess. Like Underworlds yes. has parts of chess. Underworlds has parts of, you know, Magic the Gathering and other, you know, deck building games. And Underworlds also has a healthy share of Warhammer in it. Uh, and and you really have to think about the game and like as a combination of these three elements. Um it's not a game about perfect information. Your your deck card order is subject to a lot of luck as well. Uh, the dice, um, you know, your opponent's deck order. There's so much that can go wrong. Uh, it's not meant to be a perfect information or or uh, a perfect luck game. 
Yeah, and it's just no, I hundred percent agree. That's like that's like, and it's just sometimes you'll just lose no matter what, and I think that's the biggest thing. Like, like one thing the way I approach the game, I approach every game as like I could lose, even even though it's like you know I'm really experienced and all that with all my reputation, and people go like, why? It's like, well, I I plan for every eventuality, so when I look at my hand, I can go wait, I I don't on like I've learned not to underestimate my opponents going like, oh, I yeah. should win this, blah, blah, blah. Because if you go into a game thinking you're going to win, that's going to put you on tilt if you lose and it's just toxic behavior in general. But yeah. I like to plan as if my opponent knows what I'm going to do. So there's massive downsides to that with like massive overthinking. <laughs> but then I can never really be surprised. So it's kind of like, even though I'm putting myself on a back edge, prepares myself if I do lose so if I go yeah you know you lose you lose it just happens like they played at the right time and they like they outplayed me really well and at least I've prepared that in advance so some people go like oh you're just preparing your excuses already but for me it's more like I don't underestimate any opponent potentially yeah. anyone can beat you in this game of course which is uh, like one of the best things about it in my opinion it, it, it's so refreshing it's uh you know, it's it's not a pay to win game uh, like some of the the CCGs can be. Um, it, it's something where you know the underestimation of a dark horse can sometimes just really throw everybody for a loop, uh, which is a really exciting part of our meta. Uh, you know, everybody has the you know strength to to take you down. Then that's that's the way you need to go into every single match. I think. Um, you know, uh, personally, like talking about kind of, you know, knowing what your triggers are and, and kind of how you tilt. I think the one that gets me is, uh, is if I only have time for a couple games, um, not having like a, like a good back and forth. Um, it, it's always really upsetting to me when it's like, oh, well, uh, you dominated the first game and then I dominated the second game and it didn't really like feel like we were playing the same game. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, um, that's yeah, because like the best games are the close games, whether you yeah. win or lose, because it's the most back and forth. And I think people miss that because my favorite games are the games, even if I lose, as long as they were like super close. Yeah, when you're both playing out of your minds, that's the best Warhammer Underworlds can be. But I, I think I know we've already touched upon it, but like a good thing is like knowing your triggers. So like, I knew my trigger used to be dice, so I played a lot of Ghost One Hunt, and then yeah. I just learned dice are dice. Uh, I had this is a more difficult trigger but it's like not losing but being cautious of my reputation because everyone just assumes I win everything I go into like it's it's not great when you sit down against an opponent and they sigh with like <laughs> I've lost this like I I don't like feel like because I'm already in my head like they could beat me and then they just go ah well you know I was hoping to at least win one game today and I was like well this is my tournament over and I was like oh don't think like that it's you can still win but they've already defeated themselves at that point but then yeah. like that's why i did um trying to win with every warband also because like players like j claire challenged me too but it was more so i'd like i wanted to prove i wasn't just relying on one warband but then there were other problematic factors in that i was getting it was starting to be like um i had to change how i approached the game because i was like before that i was like oh if i don't win then that was po pointless but then because i started losing more I was like starting to develop this really negative mindset, almost going on tilt the moment I lost. 
And when it happened a few times, I was like, this is like, my friends understood, but if they weren't my friends, they wouldn't have understood that. And like, I yeah. would have like ruined that person's day. So I was like, I have to reapproach how I think this. So that's why I was like really happy when I got it out of the way and then never had to do, well, you know, <laughs> I was thinking about doing it again and I basically did, but then, you know, lockdown and everything. Yeah. Uh, but as part of the reason I also started moving to like commentating at Grand Clashes as a plane, just because I wanted to remove that sort of like tilty trigger from me, just because I'll go like, remove the pressure from winning. Because like the worst tilt I've ever had, I think, was where I tilted at myself. Uh, it was at the January Grand Skirmish. No, the Bugman's tournament before the Grand Clash. So I'd only had four days of practice with my warband and I decided to use Grimwatch at the Skirmish with a Bugman's Clash to try and win. And then I'd lost the first game narrowly. Didn't help that the opponent popped off. You know, I was like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. They popped off when they won against me. That's okay. Then I won the second round. Third round, I played against this really cool guy and his curse breakers just dominated me. And then I got so on tilt, I forgot. I I was trying to score swift capture and I didn't realize I didn't even put swift capture in the deck. And then I got so mad at myself. Yeah, I lost, like, I think I only scored one glory at the end. And, uh, like, he had one, two, three on his half. So I couldn't even score, like, shifting delusions. And then, like, um, I just started, like, ripping into myself because I was like, I was being a terrible player. I didn't give you a proper game. And then, like, Phil Kelly was sitting next to me. He was like, John, are you okay? I've never seen you act this way before. He's like, I was like, you know, oh, you know, I've, like with my reputation and I shouldn't be doing this. I should have like give like, I didn't even remember what's in my deck. He's like, no, but you don't, that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like you just need to relax yeah. and have fun. So then like, after like he talked me through it and stuff, played the fourth game and just like, that was fine. Managed to win that, but it was, I'd gotten myself into a better place. And then it was weird. It didn't, his advice didn't hit me until the morning of that grand clash because I'd only had like, um, I had the pressure to win because if I got that ticket, I would have gotten a free ticket to Nova. Uh, yeah. There was only f- uh, f- that was the first of four tournaments. I had given up commentating to play at the tournament, and my friend had like taken my place. So I was like, if if I lose, not only do I let myself down, but I'm letting my friend down because he could have he could have played, but he was commentating. And then like on the way there, I was just like, Phil's words hit me and I was just like, oh yeah, you know what? I've got nothing to prove. Like he said, like I've done everything with the game to just play and have fun. And then once I realized that, I just played like I was having fun. And that like completely eliminated my my tilt and I did almost win it. And it was just like, and I I didn't, I went into every game like I was going to lose, but I just played like I was uh, when I was using my scritch. So I was just like when I first started. So that was me identifying my triggers and now, like, I'm a lot better. It's partly why I try not to be too competitive anymore because I'm at the point where it's, like, it can be very consuming for someone like me. And that's, like, how I've identified it. So I've basically gotten over dice. My friends helped a lot uh, in general because, like, my friends at hate, they're, like, the golden rule is don't be a dick. So it's all about being a good opponent and being friendly and enforcing a welcoming environment. So yeah, it's like, I try to limit how much I play competitively and just focus on having fun and being a good opponent. That's just me. And that took me a long time to learn. Like, um, the, the weirdest thing is I didn't start out like that competitiveness in terms of feeling really bad when I lost. Cause usually I was really good when I lost, it was because I'd won so much 
losing actually was more impactful in my head, but then I realized there was nothing to it. So it's it's weird because it, it that was an example of something I thought was never a problem, but then suddenly became a problem, which I had to combat. Yeah. But as I said, this is more just me trying to relate because it's, it's not going to happen to everyone, but I think it's good if at least I share it, people will kind of be able to think about stuff that helps tri- find out their triggers that causes them to go on tilt. Yeah, I think uh, it's funny you say that. I, I I have definitely sat in a space of like, oh, I'm I, I'm just a guy that gets lucky sometimes. I think I've definitely built built that up uh, to my own skill set. Well, like <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not great at this game. Like I'm I'm decent. I just get lucky sometimes. And so you know, I I, I think that 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 kind of uh, dispels that other you know, side of that where you, you've got this massive pressure to perform for me. Yes. It's always just kind of like a uh, jackpot. Like I did well today. <laughs> Yay. Um, and uh, you know, re- really getting, getting out of that, that headspace of, um, you know, feeling like you, you know, need to win or, or you're, you're deserved a victory. And whether that's once again, down to an attack or, you know, a specific game or a matchup, like, um, you know, everybody's here for a good time. And, and I think that, you know, as much as it's a competitive game and it's really important to a lot of us, um, you know, we, we have to continue to make the community strong and, and, you know, craft great game experiences um, and build up, uh, you know, the, the next Grand Clash winner. You could be sitting across from them and not know. Yeah, 100%. It's all about focusing on others instead of yourself because it's just... Yeah. That's the problem with Tilt. It kind of focuses everything onto yourself where you've just completely black out everything and everyone. And, you know, it's really difficult, but it's we should be trying to make everything nice and kind because, one, you know what I mean? Not like, oh, lovey-dovey, but it's just, you want someone to have a laugh with because if they have a laugh and they have a good time, they're likely to come back and even more likely they could actually bring someone along and get more people in. And then you just yeah. make the game grow. But it's like, that's the important thing with Tilt. One thing I did skip was how to deal with an opponent who is actually trying to make you Tilt. Because I've encountered this a lot. There are people out there, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on like their personality or how they actually play, where they will try and get into your head, if that makes sense. Uh, I can see it. And I have been lucky to never sit across the table from somebody like that. Yeah, um, I, I can't imagine that's, you know, that's terrible. Yeah, I've played against a lot of people like that, unfortunately. Uh, and my best advice is block them out. So there are people who will, the moment they succeed an attack against you, they'll go, oh, yeah, I knew this, like, this game's mine. Or when you fail an attack, it's like, phew, I needed that. Or it's like stuff like that, where they will comment on stuff during the game. Or like the biggest thing that they would try and trigger with me was like, they would try and count out my deck while I wasn't paying, like, not while I wasn't paying attention, I was like, how many cards you got? Oh, I've got four cards, cards in hand. How many How many cards can I look for your discard pile? I was like, cool. So you played this, you played this, you played this, you played this. So you've probably got that in your deck and you want to do this and you want to do that. So you're going to go here, here, here. And I was like, okay. Uh, and like, even if they were right, I would just be like, I don't care. Just, I want to play my own game. Don't tell me how to play my game. And my biggest advice is just ignore them. Yeah. My, the way I developed is if someone starts trying to tell me how I'm going to play in my game and like they're trying to trigger me, I just block them out. I just like literally 
just block them out because they are they're hoping you listen to them and that you get in there they get into your head so they can trigger you but if you just block them out they can't do anything and the best thing is they might not even realize that you've just blocked them out but that's that's the biggest thing because they're unfortunately are I, I think it's died down now because like the game it was more during like the shade spire nightfall time but there are players who will try and get in your head like even now but my biggest advice is just to ignore them because they're trying to get into your head. They're trying to count out your deck because they're trying to like show you've missed off. And they're also trying to show, I know what you're playing. Or they go like, I'm a good player. I know how you want to play. I've figured you out. This is an easy game. It's like they're trying to use every tactic to try and win. And, you know, it does work. But if you're prepared and just blank them out, you'll be fine because there are people who will try and unfortunately trigger you on purpose for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, especially if you're, if you're in a tournament setting with something like that, which is one of the few places I could see that even coming up, um, you know, if your opponent's being really slow and, and doing that, you know, you, you can ask them to move faster. And if they don't, you can call a TO because TO will always support, you know, a game that's making, both players feel comfortable um and uh and will come and you know disperse that i i uh i know that good tos will come and sit at the at the table if they there's any uh any inkling that something untowards is happening so um you know i think that's a big piece of advice is like never hesitate to to kind of reach out to the to and um you know and, and get them involved no i think that's really good because yeah like I'm happy to ignore and challenge that behavior. But if, if you feel you can't block them out and they're just constantly rattling away, best thing to do is like, as Matt said, call the TO because yeah, generally a TO, like if you talk to the opponent first, can you just please stop commenting? I'd like, for if you're not, it's just really annoying. And if they keep doing it, call the TO over, TO over, explain what's happening because as you've said, Matt, a good TO will likely sit down and watch the game and then they'll go, if your opponent starts trying to tilt you, they'll just go stop that. If you do it again, that's a warning. And if you do it again, you're DQ'd. Yeah, and that exactly. Will just, that will just end it. Because the problem is if you let it rattle on and on and don't deal with it in a way you can handle, it will just eat away at you and it will just cause you to snap. And then you've fallen into their game plan. So yep. if you can't block them out, call a TO. And just like, it, it's it's annoying, especially if they're your friend, because some of the people who've done it to me are friends. <laughs> um, but I've just ignored it. But if you can't, a TO. Now there's this is more of a dubious air area where you can kind of encourage your opponent to tilt. But I, I only do this in friendly matches because me and my friends understand it and we're having a laugh. Don't do that in tournaments, yeah. Like you can find like if you know your friend, like we've got one friend who gets very upset the moment someone rolls a crit against them. So if you roll a crit defense and shout, oh, I needed that. Uh, they will just lose the game in mentally. So you, you can play it for laughs in friendly games, but don't do it in tournaments. Like just, just don't. It's the wrong way. Like, There's uh, a very big difference between like, you know, the the trash talker or playing with yeah. friends in in that sense, and and kind of knowing each other well enough to feel, you know, feel like you can have that relationship. Uh, there, there's a big difference between that and uh, you know somebody you've never met or somebody you've heard of their reputation, for example. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really important to just make sure that, 
you know, everybody's signing that same social contract. Like we're here to have fun, to play a competitive game. At the end of the day, somebody's going to win. Um, and, and kudos to them. Yeah. Cause like at the end of the day, it is just a game, you know, there's no win or life, win or like death situation. Like you're not going to lose your life over losing the game was like, it's not the end of everything. If you lose, just a game at the end of the day you know sometimes it goes your way sometimes it doesn't the key thing is that you and your opponent had fun and if you can't ensure that at least it was a good time you know you don't you just don't want it to go the wrong way because you know it's like we're all out here to have fun there's no esports contracts you know there's no like games workshops ringing you up now it's just a game you know i thought we got sent to the shadow realm if we if we lost games of underworlds it's technically it... the crit realm. You just run against ah. me and all I roll is crits, but it's like the worst kind of crits. Sounds just... terrible. Yeah, it is. I, I run the crit deck in that game. It's just like <laughs> rubbish. It's all the rubbish cards that only trigger on crits. Like uh, you roll three crits for priority. Exactly three. That's the weirdest one. That was that, was that night vote objective. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I thought you were just rolling, uh, running 20 copies of a risky prospect. I could. Scored, that... scored 60 glory over the game. It's tough rolling crits. Oh dear. It was just like, but it is just a game. And I think people really like the competition aspect is great, but just don't get absorbed by it. Like in, t- like in a bad way. Cause you know, you could argue like, even when I lose, it's bad. Like that's why I, I try and post games of where I lose on stream, like on, uh, on my YouTube channel, because it's like, uh, oddly people like watching me lose. But it helps show I'm not this um, unbeatable titan. Like, you know, I like showing that I'm also human. It's just like, you know, win or lose. And the games I lose generally have a laugh with my opponent. So it's like, you know, it's just it's just a game. Everyone wins or loses, no matter who you are. Well, it's, re- it's really funny that you say that. I, I think that especially, you know, when tournament season was high and there was a lot of, you know, really intentional, like, I'm going to practice this same deck for weeks and weeks and, and, and build this up by the time a, um, you know, an article that's going over your event pro, you know, progress comes up, like you've learned that deck in and out. And, and I think it's, it's really important to note that, you know, uh, I don't think any player really ever picks up a deck and, and, you know, is a hundred percent win rate with it day one. Um, oh yeah. You know, there's a lot of reps and practice and, and things that you can do to get, you know, into a strong headspace. Um, and I think that that's something that, you know, to, to your point of like people like seeing you lose, it's, you know, uh, it's hard to, to see that side, you know. Um, I, I tried out Mad Mob, uh, you know, a couple months ago and, and played in a skirmish and I went 0-3. And, uh, uh. and I was like, wow, I was really bad today. And uh to a point I was making earlier, I don't have enough movement because I got longboarded three times, <laughs> um, you know, and uh, uh, it, uh, you know, you just end up going like, well, I, I made the wrong call today. And, you know, you learn from those mistakes. And, and I, I think the openness of like when those mistakes happen is, you know, uh, a really good thing, you know, for, for us as content creators to be, to be showcasing. Yeah. Cause that was the thing is like, um, one of my friends was like, he really, he's always respected me because he said like, no matter what, John, you will post tournament reports even if you lose. 
because he said, like, I know a bunch of other guys who only post when they win. And like, you're basically the only guy reporting every time you lose. And I'm like, yeah, because it's just, you know, it's well, it's content, but it's like realistic. Because as you said, when we're when we're playing our practice games and stuff, well, I lose a lot. Like even my Skaven, even though they went through a period of six months of being unbeaten in the best of three, like the three months before that, they were like 50-50 win or lose. It was just, I was winning more when it counted. So people yeah. like, oh, you've won all these tournaments. Like, oh yeah, but casual games, I'm like, I'm getting ripped up. And there's still tournaments <laughs> I lose. So it's like, it was learning from that and then going on from that. But it, that's why I was like, I'm always keen to post my losses. Because I, it, it's to show people we're human and not <laughs> like, it, like, because some people actually want to make themselves feel like when you're playing against them that you're you're just going to lose because they're like winning machines. That's not the way I like to approach the game. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think that's pretty much it when it comes to Tilt, unless you'd like to talk about anything else that we might have missed. No, I think, uh, I think we covered it. Yeah, because we talked about how to deal with Tilt, identifying your contributing factors and how to overcome it. And then that could be just simple as don't get angry over dice. If you're playing aggro, you're not guaranteed to succeed every or any attack. Learn to lose. I think that's probably the most important one. And then, yeah, knowing your triggers, it's just a game. And if someone's trying to trigger you, either block them out or speak to them and then call a TO because yeah. you, you need none of that nonsense in your life. But either way, I hope this makes sense as like we've said again it's not going to be like a quick fix like no i think in all our references to ourselves remember it happened over months like this was a long it took me a long time to get over my triggers it's not a simple thing but as long as you start recognizing them you're on the step to overcoming it yourself because like the biggest thing as we said is Going on tilt can make you lose games, can make you lose tournaments, but more importantly, it can make you lose friends and potential players for Warhammer Underworlds. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, that, you know, you, I think we've summed it all up. I think it's, uh, you know, this game's all about the community in my mind. Uh, and, yeah, exactly. and we have a wonderful one. Yeah. And I think the the best thing is, if you can't identify your own triggers, chat to your friends or fellow gamers because they'll usually be able to know. It's like, oh yeah, I can <laughs> tell you just get pissed off at that. But it's like finding external influence can also help. But it, you know, it just makes the game better for you and everyone involved. But I think that's pretty much it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's more of a reflective episode of Critcast episode 13 dealing with tilt. But I've been your host, John, and... And this is Matt from Set the Tempo. Yeah, and if you want, yeah, you can always, uh, but they can catch you at setthetempo.com, or is it? Uh, it's uh, setthetempoblog.wordpress.com. There we go. And you're always on the Underworld Discords and pretty much yes. Facebook as well, right, if, if anyone wants to drop yep. you a message. Yeah, anybody who wants to drop me a message there. Um, you know, for me, I, uh, I love feedback and I love, you know, ideas of topics, you know. Always feel free. I've got a big list of things that I always want to write about. So uh, if anything comes up, just reach out to me. Um, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, it's cool. But yeah, thank you for being on. Love Thanks. your content. And it's been good to talk about this. Like, I think it's an important subject. But yeah, 
That's it for CritCast. Uh, hope you enjoy the podcast. Keep rolling crits, and we'll see you soon.